BDSM and non-standard relationships. Star exchange and polyamory. Sacred sexuality and fetishes. As, as well, well as, as simply, simply fun, fun kink. kink. You'll find shows on these topics and more at eroticawakeningpodcast.com. This week on Erotic Awakening, Passionate Rope with Lee Harrington. Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an exploration of all things erotic. Erotic Awakening is intended for mature audiences. If you are offended by adult topics or prohibited by law, we recommend you stop listening right now. Hi, Dan. Hi, Dawn. Oh, did I get my the line <laughs> you wrong? Did. The one line in the 300 line, episodes. Yes. Hi, Dan. Hi, Dawn. How are you today? Good. I'm really good, actually. Today on the podcast, we are speaking with Lee Harrington from the Passion and Soul podcast from presenting around the nation and actually around the world, as we'll find Mm -hmm. out, and also the author of the brand new More Shabaria You Can Use, due to come out any day now, although you can get your copy early, and we'll hear about that as well. Yay, early copies. But before we get there, I think we're supposed to say Happy New Year. Happy New Year, indeed. It, it is indeed the beginning of a brand new year, at least if you're listening to this on the day that we put it out. It is all of January 3rd, 2015. It is. so, And uh, already it's been an exciting year, though. We've already had a little trip, done some relaxing. Absolutely. Starting off the year with a um, let's just chill, and now we'll get going with the variety of things we have going on. So we came home, and immediately... Took a nap. Yes, it was a hell of a nice nap, too. And for those uh, listening from football land, it looks uh, like the Carolina Panthers have made it into uh, the playoffs. Yes, yes. Winning no a playoff flag. game. How do those Redskins do? I don't know. How about them Redskins? I don't know, but Dallas just won. Yes. Yay. Uh, no, you're being sardonic, not. aren't you? I'm being, yes. <laughs> fortunately, fortunately for you, this is not a sports podcast, but a erotic awakening podcast. Mm. So we just had a wonderful conversation with Lee Harrington about Passionate Rope. Uh, Lee is about to um, publish the book More Shabari You Can Use. And mm-hmm. I had actually, when Lee said, hey, I have the new book coming out, we said, well, we'd love to talk to you about it on the podcast. But I really didn't think I'd have much to talk about. I... As you know, I'm not much right. of a rope guy, but this actually sounds somewhat appealing it did. as a way to use rope to make a scene more intense, more passionate, more connecting. More intimate, more, yeah, connecting. So he's very much about connecting with the person that he's playing with. And um, even though it's going to, from the sounds of it, it's going to have a lot of skills in it. It's going to have a lot of knot work in it. It's going to have a lot of new things to learn. Um, it is very much about connecting with that person you're playing with. Absolutely. So we will not spend a lot of time dicking around before we get to that. We do have a question of the day we're going to knock out, though. But first, we have to tell you that we have two new subscribers to the newsletter. We do. So we have Dan in California. And Gigi from Georgia. Nice. Which is really weird. I saw the Dan in California, and I'm like, well, you're Dan, and you were born in California. This is true. So, but I don't think it's you. No, it is not me. I did not subscribe to our own newsletter again. (gasps) Again, okay. I was going to say, wow. All right, yeah, and it's about time for me to put one out. So we've got a little bit of news with PXS, and, you know, we just uh, actually did a flash sale. And oh, yeah, yeah. sold our first 10 tickets. Actually, we sold 12 tickets. I oh, didn't set it up you right. To yeah, I screwed it up. <laughs> um, we've got half of our vendors. Yep. So, yeah, we're moving right along. 
Um, so we do want to talk about this. How do you feel about safe words? I don't know why this came up, though. Um, well, it always seems to come up because I get asked about safe words. Other submissives get asked about safe words. Um, we're told by some dominants on FetLife that we're not real slaves if we're allowed to have safe words. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'll sit in submissive round tables and submissives are like, am I allowed to have safe words? And, you know, there's just a lot of... It feels like there's a lot of misinformation and I'm better than you if I don't have a safe word sort of attitude. So let's start off by describing what a safe word is very mm -hmm. simply. The idea of that, and there's actually, lo and behold, two times you might use a safe word. If you're the most common one and what people think about is that you're in the middle of a scene, a BDSM scene, and BDSM inherently is can be somewhat dangerous. You're mm -hmm. doing things that can cause pain. And you're doing things that can actually cause harm. Right. We think about spanking as something that's not often going to cause harm. It might hurt, but not cause harm. But there are times you're, anything from your legs going numb, uh, a strike on the tailbone mm. is never pleasant. Uh, there could be other biological things going on. Even something as simple as your kidneys are full and you need to relieve yourself. Well, and we even had one episode with me where you had me bound up on a cross I didn't know I was coming down with the flu mm -hmm. and was getting ready to black out. Right. So once you started the, the scene going, right. your bio started and sliding down that cross you mm -hmm. almost did. Yep. So uh, the idea of a safe word is that during a BDSM scene that you have a particular word that will allow the top to immediately know something is amiss and we need to, to check in. You might use yellow to indicate this thing that you're doing to me is causing a great level, is causing not just pain, but it is causing a uncomfortable amount of pain. It is going right. from pleasurable pain to just plain either harmful or you're pissing me off or it's no longer fun. Well, and sometimes I'll use yellow as a way of gauging, okay, this is getting right to the edge. This is getting mm -hmm. right to the mm -hmm. edge. So yellow very much for me is about checking in. I want to have somebody check in with me if I'm doing yellow or especially, I mean, if it's just a paddling, then of course the yellow's probably, hey, move over a little bit. This one's getting too intense and now it's not fun. Or, um, but if you're doing like three things, twisting mm -hmm. a nipple, biting an ear, <laughs> <laughs> whacking on an ass. If I say yellow, it's nice if there's a short pause mm -hmm. so that I have a moment to use big girl words. And there's actually a... We could actually do an entire podcast on the appropriate, appropriate way to use safe words, how mm -hmm. not to use them and such. But for now, we just want you to understand safe words mean something is amiss. Yellow, hey, check in with me because something needs to be changed. Red, something is wrong enough that we need to have a conversation yeah, about the, something. If I use red, I'm done. Yeah. And, Play stops. And it's not just BDSMs, but also we have found in power exchange. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, although yeah. that's a little different yeah. sort of dealio. That's something which we're not going to get into tonight. We're going to just, because it's a totally different dealio. So safe words, BDSM play. Green could be used as well if you want to say go, go, go. But I use in that yes, case, yes, use... yes, more, more, now, more. <laughs> why can't you just say stop? Well, you can say stop. But a lot of times play involves some level of give and take, some level resistance. of some level of resistance, uh, play resistance. I like to be able to say no and no more and stop and things like that. I like to be able to say that because it's in my head. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I really want it to stop, but it is so intense that those are the words that are in my head. And I don't want to have to um, 
keep from saying them. So, but if I say yellow or red, obviously it's something different mm -hmm. than. And you could certainly negotiate with your top that my safe word is stop. You could. You could. If I say stop, I want you to stop. And I know some people that would much rather play with people that, and we're going to call them using our big girl words because I happen to be a big girl, a girl, okay. a girl <laughs> and a big girl. So, you know, and obviously it's your, your big, your big people words. And some people don't like safe words. They, they like conversation back and forth. Sure. And, and regular language. And that's nice too. That can be nice. It can In certain be. scenes, I enjoy that In myself. In certain scenes. But I like to surrender. I don't want to have a conversation. I would rather experience, Yes. and if there's any speech going on, it has to do with the scene, not, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it's, it's more naughty talk and things like that. So that's what I would rather have. And some people are surprised, though, to find out that I still have safe words with you, mm -hmm. you know? And it's not that I use them too much. We don't need to. You know me very, very, very well. But there are times, I mean, I actually feel like... Um, you can be more, and correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe you feel more secure in yourself and how you play with me. If you know, I'll say something if something's totally off. Absolutely. It does give you as a top, or at least me as a top, that opportunity to be more instinctive, to be, because especially even with somebody that I've played with a lot like you, but somebody that I'm new to playing with, mm -hmm. I don't know if that's squeal or that squirm or that scream is a thing that's normal for them or it's something that tells me, uh-oh, something's wrong. Right. So the safe word does allow you to take that as a understanding. It's consent. It's mm -hmm. another layer of consent for me. It tells me that person has the opportunity to stop this scene if they want to. And they're not saying that safe word that we designated. So I'm just going to keep pushing through. Right. Um, and it can be... Um, bolstering when you, they start to cry or scream or whatever or bleed to say <laughs> oh, i guess we're going in the right direction still this is the trip that they want to take right because i i actually have to tell people crying is not my safe word right i like the cathartic stuff i like the heavy stuff i like the stuff that takes me out of my little bubble yeah you know and this is another reason why i personally like safe words uh, the scenes that i do the scenes that are good for me involve subspace mm -hmm. they involve you taking not just a physical trip but a complete trip an emotional perhaps or a and it's difficult to describe maybe a mental but either way you've no longer in a standard thinking scenario you've gone right. into space where you don't have to think you're just processing feelings right and if you're deep in subspace believe it or not people lose their ability to put together, oh, by the way, my wrist is starting to get a little numb. Would you mind addressing that? Mm -hmm. uh, but when you've got a practice of safe words, you, can, you have that foundation, that natural ability to speak the red or the yellow or whatever that safe word is if it's something you've practiced with for years and years. Right, and, you know, and I've been conditioned with that. So I can be totally, totally mind-blown, but if something is off, I can still vocalize the, the yellow or the red. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I know we also use things, uh, people go, well, what if you can't speak? Well, there's other ways of doing yes. things, holding onto a ball that you drop or, you know, something like that. There's a way of flagging if there's a, if there's a safe word involved. But um, I, I do. And you know what? When I co-top you, it's actually... You um, co-top with me. You don't co-top <laughs> me. 
Clarity right. sake. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I had the visual in my head and the verbiage was wrong. <laughs> but yeah, when I co-top co with you, um, there's times that I have to stand at the other person's face and remind them because I'm listening to their noises. I'm seeing their facial expression. If you're flogging them from behind or something and it's somebody new and I have to remind them that safe words are okay because some people feel like it's a challenge to not use a safe word or that they failed if they've used a safe word. And I have to remind them, no, he wants you to safe word so that he yeah. can learn your body. And, um, to me, there's something that there's, not nothing more frustrating, but it's very frustrating when I've told someone this and told someone this, and then the scene's over, and then you find out that they didn't like something. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh my God, you actually had a little bit of control there to where you could have safe worded it a little bit. And maybe that's why some people don't like the safe words, because it gives this illusion sure. of control or something. But There are some scenes that I do that don't include safe words. They include conversational language instead. Mm -hmm. uh, I think of those scenes as more fun scenes versus passionate scenes. More playful scenes than mm -hmm. good play scenes. And not to say that See, we, we are a little odd there in that for us, the BDSM is supposed to be a connecting, passionate thing, not mm -hmm. just a... Topping bottoming. Topping bottoming. Yeah. Uh, although that has its time and place as well. Mm -hmm. So, and probably the only other thing I'm going to throw out there is that um, I know a time that you probably wouldn't let me have a safe word is if we were doing something ritualistic. Oh, sure. And cathartic. Because I was thinking the same thing. The only time I have, I think it's the only time that I've topped someone by myself now there's been two times but one of them was um very ritualistic and i actually warned her up front that because it was a cathartic ritualistic scene that she could use her safe words but i wasn't going to take her somewhere that was going to be harmful so to try to ride it out for as long as mm -hmm. she could because it was cathartic right. and, and ritualistic she was trying to accomplish something and, um, but I, I would still honor a safe yeah. word. So but. Uh, the only, and the only other thing I will throw in there is in the beginning, you said this, and I will say any, um, anyone that tells you real submissives don't, uh, I would question whatever follows that as legitimate. Everybody's allowed to do whatever they want to do. If you want to have safe words in a relationship, great, have them. If you want to have play scenes that do not include safe words, great, do that. There is no right, wrong. Uh, anytime that somebody tries to tell you that you're not a real this or a real that, if you do this or you do that, they are um, either manipulating you or they're full of themselves. That's my opinion. If you would like to use your safe word with us, there's a variety <laughs> of ways you can do that, including... Writing us by email. <laughs> <laughs> Dan and Dawn at eroticawakening.com. Or you can head over to our website and head down to the bottom. You'll see the comment form with all kinds of options. You can reach us through FetLife, which is Erotic Awakening Two Words. And actually on um, FetLife, if you see us as the owners, 
in the Erotic Awakening group. That's how you can actually reach us personally. Personally, yeah, people do that us. too. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a matter of fact, I had somebody reach me, reach out to me recently personally and made a comment, and they said, I didn't want to post this on the group because I wanted to reach out to you personally. So if that person's listening, thinking, where's my shout-out? I <laughs> took that to mean you did not want one. <laughs> and in name it is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us. Other ways you can find us, past podcast episodes, link to the newsletter, and other stuff can be found at eroticawakening.com. An Erotic Awakening is sponsored in part by Adventures in Sexuality, Central Ohio's kinky fun group. Find out more at adventuresinsexuality.org. So, Don, here's something that is interesting. Uh, Most people at this point are used to hearing us talk about our sponsor, other than Erotic Awakening, I'm sorry, other than Adventures in Sexuality. Uh, It just so happens we don't have another sponsor right now. For the same cost that it takes to do a one-month run on FetLife, you can be the name associated with the Erotic Awakening podcast for six Count them six months. I'll actually have all that stuff put up on the website shortly. But if you wanted to reach out to us now, you would get a jump on it and nobody else would even have the option. Dan and Dawn at eroticawakening.com for more information. Nice. And with that, if you don't want to throw money at us, you can love us in other ways like rate us on iTunes, tweet about us, lick us on Facebook, or just tell your friends. Indeed. So that leads us to our. Um, wow, that is a short one, though. It I thought seems we were like gonna... it. That was 17 minutes. Wow. Oh, we have a lot to say about safe words. Then, we do, obviously. apparently, yes. You know what? Actually, um, I do want to throw out there that we are getting some questions of the day. I am uh-huh. starting to make another um, little spreadsheet of them. So if you have any questions about that you want to ask Dan and Dawn about poly, power exchange, sacred sexuality, sexuality energy work i mean anything like that that we've talked about before mm-hmm. our workshops or or anything throw us a line at the the dan and dawn at erotic awakening.com or any of the other methods that we told you because we'd love to answer them because we get to learn a little bit more about ourselves too as we answer your questions and finally before we get into this interview i do want to mention that uh we said that in january we'd be bringing you kink a to z mm-hmm. we're going to start that with our next podcast a to z but it's going to be a little different than what you might might be it is expecting be a little different so don as you know lee harrington has been with well originally with the erotic awakening podcast and then spun off onto his own passion mm-hmm. and soul podcast for some time but I have, a lo- I have a bone to pick with Lee. Lee, Uh-oh. not long ago, you mentioned you're going to be slowing down a little bit, backing <laughs> off a little bit, relaxing a little bit. That doesn't seem to be the case at all. You're hilarious. <laughs> uh, actually, in, in all honesty, uh, when it comes to things like traveling, when I was living in New York City, I was on the road two to three weekends a month. That has now, like, I, I, that has now shifted that right now, uh, I got home from a last-minute, quote, emergency trip to Boston for my book project, and I'm home until the middle of February. So if you had said that to me two years ago when I was living in the city, that I was going to be anywhere for six to eight weeks, I would have laughed at you. Okay, so, so that is that's my now mind you does that mean that I have stopped writing books or now owning my own publishing company or anything like that no no well, I just created why, one kind of great exactly and this is why we're talking today first off Lee thanks for being on the podcast again you by the way are one of our original guests 
mm-hmm. that helped kick off the whole Erotic Awakening podcast. So we certainly I think it was like that. episode seven or eight or something, Absolutely. which was such such a tickle. I remember the three of us mm-hmm. in the corner of a conference room at an event mm-hmm. with your little tiny uh, <laughs> computer top microphone that was the yep. size of my thumbnail. Uh-huh. It's so cute. I've, I've uh, <laughs> we've grown a little since then, and I've managed to waste a, a, an amor- enormous amount of uh, money on technology that I don't use anymore, <laughs> thinking it would make the podcast better. Now we have this enormous microphone in front of us. So. Yes, oh my, <laughs> uh, exactly. But so let's talk about some of these projects. And the reason that I start off by saying that it doesn't feel like you've slowed down any, and I and and I appreciate just that's how it feels to me is new books, new travel schedule. Let, let's start off by talking about more Shibari you can use. Now, the original Shibari you can use, and we see that at nearly every event we go to sitting on the vendors' tables. How long has it been since that came out? That was written in 2005 and hit the markets at the beginning of 2006. So uh, seven, eight years go by, and now you're coming out with... More Shibari you can use. Is it safe to say that's a sequel? Uh, yes, and I think you you could definitely say that, and it makes a great sequel. Um, and the idea, though, was a couplefold. One was that it had been a long time. People had been asking me since the year it came out, when's the next book happening? And I kept saying, oh, I'll do it at some point. I'll do it at some point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and then I... And I'd also moved away from Oregon, and so the photographer I'd been working with out there, Circle 23, from the first edition uh, of the book, we just weren't in the same city anymore. Our lives have gone in very different directions. And so when I discussed the idea with Rigger J, who used to be a student of mine and is now very strongly not just a peer, but he's traveling around the kink community internationally and teaching rope bondage in his own right, which is Absolutely. one of those like proud parent moments. It's like, <laughs> nice. oh, sure, sure. Yay. Um, but about being my photographer for it, suddenly the idea went from an idea to being actively in the works. And what ha- what's happened with this is um, more Shabar you can use. The subtitle of it is Passionate Rope Bondage and Intimate Connection. Because one of the flaws with my book, as well as all the other books I was seeing on the market, and this is my opinion of a flaw, was that it showed the techniques, but not ways to then connect with your partner. And I've been seeing a lot of people who get into rope bondage as well as other technical skills who obsess about the technicalities of it and forget that there's a lover right there in the rope, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of end up so focused on how do I do this right and forget that the answer isn't what's right. It's how do I be here and now? And in this moment, fully and mindful of who I am being present with in a fully charged, erotic, or sensual, or artistic space. And so more Shabari you can use uh, is, to me, this idea of, okay, we have learned some techniques, or in this book are learning new techniques. There's just as many techniques in book two as there are in book one, uh, different techniques. Mm -hmm. But to also include at the end of every single chapter... A different exercise. So uh, the exercise at the end of the, the last chapter is about the notion of mindfulness, which I think, Dan, you might know a few things <laughs> about that concept. Um, there's another one that's about 
being present with your partner and looking them in the eyes and having eye gazing and hands to chests and learning their breath as another one of the exercises. One of them is, okay, in this last chapter, you learned how to tie some Texas handcuffs. Let's turn that into pulling it over their, pulling their hands over their head. Let's turn that into pulling it through their crotch. Let's do that while you are connecting with them and kissing them and whispering sweet nothings in their ears. You, you know, Lee, that might actually make me more interested in rope because mm. my few experiences with rope has been very much about me being the object that yeah. they're winding rope around or, you know, setting up. And I get more into the intimate connection, so which seems to be lacking sometimes. So that would be interesting. Yeah, there's actually one of the exercises called One Piece of Rope mm -hmm. that uh, actually has no tying in it. It's awesome because if you know the techniques and the ties, it's early on in the book. If you know how to actually do your rigging, awesome. You could do that in the exercise. But the idea is take a piece of rope and pull it around your partner and wrap it around your partner and pull them into you. And then have your partner struggle to try to get away. <laughs> then run it the rope over their skin. Because, again, it's I, I think the technicalities of it are wonderful. And I am a total nerd. I was at a play party last night. And two of the riggers, there are three of us playing at the same time. And two of the riggers were doing very classical, formal, uh, what I would call a kata, very classical, formal techniques. Right. for their ties and uh, using hemp or jute rope that was that that kind of hay smell in the air and it was beautiful and on my partner I had chosen to use this really vibrant blue silky rope on her and was doing modified versions of what they were seeing and I you know had a couple of people looking at me going wait Lee Harrington is not doing quote as good of rope and I'm like, I'm using the exact te same techniques, but I'm doing it in a way that will get me and my partner off. Mm -hmm. And we were feeling like we were in a more sensual mood than a more traditional or fierce mood. So let's talk about who we're playing with right. and how we play with each other rather than the one way to do things. I would rather teach people the place to start Here's some of the classical forms, mm -hmm. and how do you then modify it to be yourself? Mm -hmm. See, and that makes a lot of sense to me. I am not uh, very either good or or excited by technical rope myself, and I appreciate that it's and it makes me a bad um, <laughs> dom, I guess, because it's very popular right now to be technically skilled in the forty-seven secret knots of. Uh, <laughs> whatever but what you're describing is the entire purpose in my at least the way i do things of bdsm it is to mm -hmm, connect yeah. to your partner regardless of the tool and now you're saying now it sounds like rope might be something i can right. add to my toolkit to uh, do more than just prevent people from get away and part of the the thing that i did originally with the, the first book which by the way is coming out in a completely revised edition full color images new layout updated copy that clears up a few of the uh, confusions in the first book uh that we found over the course of eight years <laughs> uh but in that first book it was really important for me to also make it silly and fun and and easy 
because I was teaching for a lot of colleges mm. and I was having people be like, oh, how do you do this? And literally to the point of on the crotch rope, it's a step one, find a crotch. <laughs> <laughs> step two, find a rope. And that sounds ridiculous. But one of the things I, you know, from what I've seen of your play, your play, Dan, is that when you're there with someone you spend some time running your hands over their body and feeling who they are as their form. And if I tie a crotch rope the same on, you know, my sweetie butterfly as I do when I'm tying up my leather brother, Scotty, he's an outie. She's an <laughs> innie. She's a curvy, big-titted girl who's five foot one, five foot two. He's a six foot three Tom of Finland dude, right? <laughs> right? Right. And if I tie the same crotch rope on them, I might tie the same waistline, that same first segment of it, but I then might frame him and have hers go through the center. Or I might have hers go slightly to one side if she's a little tender right now. Mm-hmm. And if I don't take the time to explore who I'm with, or if it's not an intimate sexual relationship, to at least have a conversation with them, what do you want right now? Right. What are you looking for to obtain consent, but also to show I care about you? Nice. Right? That's so different than tying the exact same tie on every single person you meet. Mm-hmm. And why not do it while you're laughing, while you're joking, especially if it's your first time. In book two, uh, I have in the power exchange chapter, I have this gentleman who was very sweet. On the photo shoot, he showed up with his wife, and so most of the segments, um, except for one where I tied her and one where I tied him, and I was the rigger for the shoot, but I, so I didn't pair them with anyone else. Uh, but most of the time, you'll see them as a repeating concept in both books as this very cute little married couple. And, uh, and so I have a photo of him that, uh, wearing a PVC button down, very sexy fetish wear shirt, holding a pillow, tying a chest harness on it. Because in the power exchange section, it says, if you're going to hold that place of perfect, like deep dominance, where you're taking over someone's body, mm -hmm. practice your ties in advance. And it's okay if you only know one or two ties, but if you know them really well, it will assert something different than if you're fumbling with your ropes. And it's okay if you fumble. That's life. But if you're trying to assert that grr space, <laughs> why not practice ahead of time? But the subtitle on it is something like, wearing fetish wear while tying up your pillow is completely optional. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds hot, though. <laughs> so tell me right? about the, the power exchange aspect of more shabar you can use. Uh, it comes right off the top of my head as like, I'm not, I don't, I don't see how it fits. So tell me more about that. One of, and thinking of crotch ropes, actually, the t one of the techniques in that chapter is tying a crotch rope because I think a lot of people have power and energy associated with that part of the body. Mm -hmm. The tying a wrist cuff on someone, uh, can have a different energy than binding the core of the body, um, especially the genitals. But uh, for me, one of my personal passions is the idea of using rope as a way to wrap my arms around someone and pull them tight. 
that there is a quote that I got from a corsetier years ago up in Canada uh, that said, uh, and it's a quote from like the 1800s, that said, corset me my love so that even when thou art gone, I can still feel you wrapped around me. Mm. Hmm. And that idea that I can bind someone and have them feel me. Because there's a lot of techniques out there in kink, like flogging or uh, single tail whips, where I am away from their mm. body. Right. And it's the difference with spanking, that they're spanking on a frame, right? Where if my hand is not touching them, I'm not touching them. But that's different than an over-the-lap spanking, mm. where they can feel your hotness. And they can feel the ha your hand on their back. And rope can be very much the same. That I am here with you. I am designing something to be present with you. There is fierce takedown rope where I'm asserting my, you know, my feral dominance. There is the act of submission or surrender that, you know, you were talking, Dawn, about I don't necessarily want to just be someone's canvas. Right. But if I am coming from a place of surrender mm -hmm. to my partner, again, that's, that's a little different than somebody you just met. Right. But if I'm fully surrendering in that moment, wow, I get to become their work of art. Mm -hmm. I get to be fully in this moment because they are transforming me in their vision of dominance and power into something unique and special. And that moment, I know for so many submissive or surrendering partners, mm -hmm. of feeling special can be so profound. I know for me, when I was on that journey, those moments where I'm like, oh, they see me. Mm -hmm. And when someone sees me, I want to go further. Absolutely. My, my eyes, I get squinty when I go into subspace and <laughs> Dan's looking at me and my eyes are starting to go squinty. I'm liking this whole idea. Yes, you're, you're, you're practically cybering her at this moment just by describing this. Just so you, you'd mentioned in, in here earlier, you mentioned the single rope technique. So now I'm wondering if my initial impression of more shibari you could use is correct or not. Is this... Do you perceive that is this is my target audience here people that are advanced rope workers that already have down this is a lark's head uh, this is a granny knot this is this or is that is that true that you're targeting people that have already mastered some level of rope work so in shibari you can use I went with all beginner ties right? Entirely 101. And in book two, it was really important to me to have some more advanced techniques. So there's a chest harness, an arm bondage tie that is a reverse box tie and uh, where the hands are in front of the chest. And there's a lot of steps to it, right? You were joking about the 40, you know, 47, blah, blah, blah yeah. knots. It's got a lot of a lot of steps to it. I think there's, I don't have the book in front of me right now, but I think there's like 19 steps and some of them have as many as four photos, mm -hmm. right? Um, it's further on in the book. So by that point, people have a little more confidence. And so if you've only started with that book, by that point, if you have a little bit of patience, you'll be able to get it. There's another tie in there that is a head cage that um, it's paracord wrapped in a really intricate pattern around the face and the head. And it creates this really beautiful um, encasing experience. Hmm. 
<laughs> with a matching hand tie. So there are techniques in there that more intermi- intermediate players probably don't have. And so there's something new for them. But I've been finding on the market in uh, how to be even kinkier by uh, Morpheus, I think sells better than how to be kinky. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which I find hilarious because that book has like a subchapter on how to perf- become a professional dominatrix and includes things like how to do basic body piercing in, in a <laughs> way that I wouldn't necessarily do that technique, but you know, um, cause it's not to my safety style, right. but, uh, but that's in book two. And so if what you're picking up is that book, that is that book and that's all you have, it's not necessarily what you need to pick up, but people go for flashy sometimes. And so it was really important to me that if it is a first time explorer picking up that book, I want you to be able to feel safe yeah. and feel loved and feel con- having an opportunity to not feel dumb. Cause I've had books, especially when I was in my first three or four years in the scene where I would pick them up and be like, or I would go to a class and I'm like, uh, <laughs> maybe I'm not kinky. Cause that's not where I'm at. <laughs> And so I think it's a little bit of both. I want it to be something. And part of it was also, maybe you have everything down, beginner, intermediate, whatever. But when's the last time you took a a chance and took the time to do uh, one of the the techniques I have in there is uh, is around texture. And so I have the bottom get tied up in whatever mode, right? Find a technique. Mm -hmm. And then the top runs their hand over just the rope, but does not touch their bottom at Hmm. all. There's a sensation denial. Hmm. And then there's a separate one where, and then, uh, and the next step is touch your bottom's skin, but don't acknowledge or touch the rope. Hmm. Now touch both of them at the same time. Now grab the rope and pull on it. And so the, your partner feels it digging into their flesh. Nice. Right? And you get to work through texture with rope in different ways. And I've met tops who have been doing rope for years who haven't done exercises like that because it's not necessarily intuitive if all you're doing is picking up the books out there or going to the classic classes at conferences. People don't take the time Oftentimes you say, okay, and now you've got this. Let's play with sensation. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes. Or something as silly like in the power exchange thing, I have a statement that says, be comfortable. If you're going to wear five-inch stiletto heels and those make you hurt and you trip, you might not have the capacity to be as powerful and as claiming in your power um, if you're feeling physically uncomfortable, kick off your shoes, tuck them into the ropes. And so the shoe fetishist still gets the shoe experience, you know, slap them around a little bit, like still, you know, if there's somebody who needs the physicality or or the sound Mm -hmm. as a bottom, cool, do it, but take off the shoes so that you could actually focus on your partner, focus on the scene. And people, I mean, I remember there's a breathing thing in there that just says, and I think I end up putting it in the new version of book one as well, is people talk oftentimes in rope, what kind of breather are is your partner, right? And if they're a belly, if they're a diaphragmic breather where their belly has to rise and fall, if I tie them into a ball tie with their chest attached down to their ankles, 
they're going to get lightheaded, mm. right? It's just going to happen. So people talk about things like that in rope classes. But when's the last time, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen in a class, um, but it was a wisdom that I learned about five, six years um, because of just pure exploration is trying to teach a top or, you know, try to teach a rigger who was a belly breather. And I was having them lean down to fix a little thing on the shoulder. And they were getting a little lightheaded because they were bent over for more than 30 seconds. And then I had them get down on one knee to do the same tie and they had no problem. But we don't talk about the breathing or the comfort of the top in these things that can also cause safety challenges. And I, I think it's, again, let's look at this more holistically. Let's look at all of our erotic journey holistically. And that's something that I've become passionate about. Like, I did the math recently, and I've been in the public scene for almost 18 years, which is one of those, like, what? <laughs> uh, when did that happen? Um, and to really realize that, for me at least, my erotic journey is part of my holistic experience as a human being on this planet, mm -hmm. as a creature on this planet. And even if I segregate it into this is what I do at home and nobody needs to know about it, mm -hmm. this is who I am at the workplace, even in those situations, because when I go and do theater reviews for the Anchorage Press, nobody needs to know that I spank people. It's nobody's <laughs> business, right? Um, but... I am still my authentic, integrated self in my core journey of me. And so looking at that with my body when I'm doing rope bondage, looking at that with my intention and my connection with my rope bondage, it didn't feel fair to not tell people at home about that because it's been such a blessing along my journey. Why not pass it on and bring a little bit more of that, you know, evolution and revolution into our sexuality and our, our human journey? Very cool. And it sounds like it's got a good mix of what I'm looking for in any book that any BDSM based book, right, is not only do I want to know what the technical aspects of it, but right. I want to know why should I care about the technical aspects? What am I going to get from a connection to that person I'm playing with? Right. And, and you've even got it in the subtitle there to include the word passion, because that's what all this stuff's about for me. Now, I'm not the most patient person in the world. <laughs> I, I see that your release date is February 1st, but yes. uh, a little birdie tells me there's a way to go get it right now. Absolutely. And just for people who aren't aware, and I don't know if you've mentioned this on your podcast before, but on there is a, on, on things like Amazon.com, the, the book is available for pre-order. And it's important. Please help drive, my, drive up my rankings on the, you know, all that stuff. But uh, if you order from places like Amazon... People get um, authors only get a, a segment of the money they might get if you direct purchase from them. And part of this adventure with launching this book, because it's in full color, the original version of, and this does get around to your answer, um, the uh, original version was a print-on-demand project, mm -hmm. and Lulu.com treated me very well, right? And I am still going to do a couple of projects with them. They have treated me very well, but. There's no financially viable way to do print-on-demand color books at the price of $25. Okay. It just doesn't happen. Um, and so I now own my actual own publishing company, nice. which is scary when you write the check 
to purchase 4,000 books. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay. Like, I'd only physically held two books at that point. Like, they sent me the mock-ups, and I'm holding these two books as I'm writing the final check, and I'm like, these are very expensive books if the rest of them don't show up. Like, <laughs> these are two very expensive books. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and part of that, uh, actually, by the time your podcast goes live, uh, I have a brand new website called Mystic productions with an s press.com mystic productions press um, because my production web uh, company my llc is mystic productions and mystic productions press.com carries all of our books and projects and now that the site is live it's ready to go including the spiral bound versions of the books for people who want their books to lay completely flat which is great for people who um who are either learning or for folks i I know a number of people who are in the rope community who have purchased the spiral bound of book one or spiral bound it for themselves uh because they can just cite it over and over and over again in a rope class Mm -hmm. without worrying about damaging the spine because a book at the end of the day only has so much trauma it can take. Sure. Um, right. And so my, my, you know, my book is, is really quality, but for people who are like I, a friend of mine runs the uh, Manchester, New Hampshire rope bondage group. And he's like, I am getting this because every single week that we, you know, every time we run the group, I will hand this book to 12 people. Therefore <laughs> the spiral bound works for him. Um, but those are available on the website. The traditional books are available on the website. Um, the my, I have collectible keychains that were made for me by an artist out in Virginia. We're going to have limited edition art prints. So all of that kind of stuff is through that site, as well as Sacred Kink and Spirit of Desire and future projects that are currently in the works uh, that I've got at least one more book coming out through the publishing company by the end of 2015 and uh, some other projects that are yeah, so that's where they can be purchased <laughs> now, like right at this moment, uh, ahead of the ahead of the launch on mass distribution, which is pretty exciting. And I'm just delighted that I get to connect with people. I uh, I actually flew out to Boston the weekend after Christmas, and actually I flew on Christmas Day because it was cheaper. Because I had books. I, had, I don't know if you knew this or not, but we did an, like, like your guys' card game, we did a fundraiser. We did an mm-hmm. Indiegogo oh, fundraiser. Okay, you sure. guys did Kickstarter, right? Right, mm-hmm. yep. right. Yeah, and I, when you do this, you have to then ship things to people yes. at the end, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Did, did your guys' post office hate you? Uh, they didn't yeah. hate us so much once they got the. We, I hit them on a nice calm day and I chatted them uh, up nice, but I totally get what you're saying. Oh, yeah, because I took bags of stuff and made sure I got the same woman because she knew what right, I was right. doing. That's exactly it. And so it was cheaper to fly me to Boston than to ship all of the books that needed orders fulfilled for Indiegogo from Alaska. From Alaska. Well, no, the shipping cost out would have been almost identical except for international <laughs> orders would have been like a dollar different. I right, think. Right. Um, but it was about getting the books to Alaska because the, the p- printers are in oh. Boston. Oh, okay. Got the it. Greater Boston area. Got it. And so it was cheaper to fly me though. A friend of mine, Eric pride, who's a sex educator in New mm-hmm. York, um, pointed out that I weigh less than 600 books. <laughs> and I'm like, Good right. <laughs> That makes sense. Um, so I ended up actually having a pre-launch 
party sort of thing, hang out um, at a cafe and ran a sweatshop because all the people who donated over $100 uh-huh. got their two books signed to them, custom signed to them, mm-hmm. and then bound in, in, in intricate at macrame. <laughs> oh, my. So you opened up the package and here's this unique gift to you. Right. Um, and so I ran a sweatshop where yeah. between four and eight people at a time were working for me uh, in a, fair, a friend of mine's spare space. Uh, and it was absolutely hilarious. But it was it was one of those. So that's our one that we've had already uh, book launch party. But we're uh, at Dark Odyssey Winter Fire in mm-hmm. D.C. Valentine's Day weekend. We're uh, Rigor J, who is my photographer, and I are going to be doing some sort of rope party extravaganza book signing thing details to still be confirmed but that'll be fun i'm going to be teaching there and doing some rituals and whatnot yeah and then the following weekend in london england i'm doing a rope bondage class that's on intimacy and connection Hmm. that's all the the class is on uh for for one evening followed by a three day like 10 a.m to 10 p.m and then on the saturday plus play party for the first two days, like 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. on Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, Sacred Kink Intensive. And I had people who missed the one in San Francisco a year and a half ago. So it is coming back out uh, to London, England. And we've got some folks coming over from the the States and one person from France already. So yeah. we invite people from all over the world to join us because I don't do these very often. And then I fly to New York City to do a book signing and book launch at Purple Passion mm-hmm. uh, in New York. Followed the next day by a, you know, I think we're limiting it to nine couples, which as a note, if you're a triad or a quad, you are a couple. Um, uh, Because that's just, I think we ask a little bit more so we can cover food and costs. Uh, But uh, we're limiting it to that for entirely a one day immersive experience working with rope bondage and erotic restraint for the purpose of connection intimacy mindfulness exercises breathing techniques all in rope followed by a three-day rope conference in new york called rigors delight so it's going to be a really cool three-week book launch slash educational tour um along the east coast and over to england and back and this is going to circle us all the way back to where we began our conversation lee with this (laughs) The illusion of that you have slowed down. And maybe you've slowed down from your own breakneck pace of a few years back, but this is still pretty darned busy that you're keeping yourself here. So if we want to write another book, which we have plans on doing, we need to stop the traveling every that's, weekend. <laughs> that's actually exactly what it was, is that, right. um, is that to get it done, I needed time at home, and I'm mm-hmm. really blessed now up here in Anchorage. Oh, I also have an Anchorage for people who are listening from Alaska or want to come on up. Uh, here in Anchorage, the first Friday of February, so it's actually the first book, la- book launch party at uh, a local gay bar called Mad Myrna's, where talking to the uh, the main you know space producer and manager and whatnot for the club, we ha- are going to do an all-kinky-themed night because there's a fetish ball every year and they're going to launch the fetish ball ticket sales that mm-hmm. night. Mm-hmm. It's a limited attendee because it's such a popular event here in Anchorage because people just want to come out and have that one kinky experience and then go home or see the one kinky thing. But we're going to have my book launch and rope free for all party in, in the dance club area. And then where the, the drag queen show, the drag 
queen and king show that night is going to be all spicy sexy themed and the drinks are all going to be bondage themed and <laughs> like i think we're tying up straws or something <laughs> and a local chocolatier who we mentioned this to who's to my knowledge not king she's just this really lovely lady who makes a really high and a sweet chalet they're amazing um but she's like i want to make bondage bonbon like she's gonna make marshmallow like she was talking about making marshmallow bondage rope and i don't know what's happening but it makes me smile Um, bondage bonbon but that's what it was is that i now have uh an office space here in anchorage because rental prices are cheaper here um and so my business did that and i've painted a room blue and put in bookshelves around it and suspended a little hanging chair so that when my, my partner butterfly shows up, she has somewhere to sit. Um, and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff and having a writing space, having a space that is just for work. Um, right. and then taking the time that no, really I am turning off the internet and for the next, you know, six hours I'm writing. Yeah. Mm hmm it makes a profound difference to getting writing done because it's all well and good to say, I'm going to write for an hour here and an hour there. But there are times when having that focus and that drive and then accepting for me, my brain, that if my brain gets on a roll, I'm going to let my brain work for an extra hour or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We usually have to, to go to a hotel room and turn everything off and this is our writing time. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to have the office space. Absolutely makes sense. Uh, Lee, just fantastic to talk to you again. Fantastic mm-hmm. to have you back on. And it's, if you think about it, although we've had it from episode six and now we're on episode 350 or something like that. Uh, and obviously in all that time, we have another dozen things we could talk about. Your, <laughs> your new podcast, which I'm not sure if you knew this, you're on episode 57 already. Of um, I am. Isn't that crazy? Really- it's crazy. It's that moment where it's like, how did that happen? See, because what happened was uh, 57 episodes ago, I rec- I suggested, hey, Lee, why don't you do a podcast? And you said, sure. What I- you didn't hear me say under your breath, well, under my breath was over and over and over again. And that's how you get to 57 and 100. And eventually you'll be at 200 uh Episodes. I love it. <laughs> I love this plan. I, uh, I support this vision wholeheartedly. Fantastic. And- yeah, to to get to connect with you guys back on your podcast feels kind of like old, you know, like a old family time. Sure, <laughs> it does. Uh, Lee, as always, it's a pleasure to talk with you. I look forward to uh, taking having my hands on a copy of a full color copy of Marsha Bar you can use, and adding more passionate rope bondage to my life. Mm. Uh, as always, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, Dawn would have other things to say, but she's all squinty eyed. <laughs> It's been a delight. You two have a wonderful afternoon. Erotic Awakening is sponsored in part by the Guilty Pleasure Stage Show and its educational branch. The Mon- yeah, they paid for that. Monkey Puzzle Club. <laughs> Join us the third Friday of each month for Fetish Foreplay Friday at Club Princeton in Columbus, Ohio. Classes begin at 8 p.m. with party immediately following. You can also catch the Guilty Pleasure Stage Show at Porter's Pub in Columbus, Ohio the fourth Friday of every month. 
The Monkey Puzzle Club meets every Wednesday at 8 p.m. at The Room at the Columbus Insight Center. Meet Dan and or Dawn every Wednesday at The Room at the Columbus Insight Center, as well <laughs> as the mystical, magical slave bat. Ooh. Follow us on Twitter at MonkeyPuzzleOH. You can also follow both Guilty Pleasures and Monkey Puzzle Club on FetLife.com for all announcements and discussions and to get on the RSVP list for the Wednesday night class. Hey, speaking of which, uh, yes, Slave Bat is behind a couple episodes on the podcast. Ah, I will find unusual. out on Monday if she has caught up or not. Okay. Well, she's been really sick. <laughs> that is true. Bye, Dan. Bye, Dawn. Bye, Dawn.